Welcome to Offline Thoughts, where I talk about online personalities, cultural events, and popular movements. I'm really glad that you're listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So whenever I log on to TikTok or Instagram, I'm always bombarded, not bombarded because I actually welcome the content, but I come across a lot of content that gives advice to people about how to navigate new relationships. So how to find somebody, how to, um, you know, get them interested, how to behave on first dates, navigating relationship firsts, like, you know, the first time that you sleep together, for example, the first time you stay over at their place and things like how to use the bathroom discreetly or the first time you go on holidays or like meeting their friends and family especially you know coming up to Christmas right now when it's the holiday season but what I often don't see or what I don't come across is any sort of long-term content so you know presumably once you're in a relationship with a person of your dreams and you've hit it off you've met their family you've moved in together there's not a lot of content out there about navigating long-term relationships so in this episode I'd like to talk about exactly that long-term relationships and more specifically how to keep the spark alive when you've been together with somebody for you know two years three years five years ten years however long it may be. And I think it's a pretty good time to talk about this subject at this time because coming up to the end of the year, it's obviously December. And I don't know about you, but for me, December, it's a time of, you know, anticipating the good times I'm going to have with my family at Christmas time. But I'm also thinking ahead at the new year and what resolutions I'm going to set. And obviously, as we think about our year and we think about the people that populate our lives, one of the most important people, because you spend so much time with them, because they know so much about you, because you've invested so much in that relationship, is you focus on your intimate relationship. So on your partnership and more specifically, the things that have gone well and the things that you'd like to improve. And obviously, when we're going through this process, you start thinking about the positives in the relationship and you start thinking about the the cons in the relationship. And what I'd like to talk about, I guess, is some of the pros that come from just inherently being in a long term relationship that many people probably identify with. And then also later on, the pitfalls of being in a long term relationship, specifically as it pertains to how you're able to maintain that romantic spark between you two, you know, in the presence of all the factors I'm going to be discussing. And finally, I'm going to touch upon on some of the things we can do to keep the relationships fresh, to have a more fulfilling relationship as we go into 2024. So starting with the fun list, the pros, I think one of the most satisfying things about being in a long-term partnership is the comfort level that you can have as time goes by. So obviously in the early stages of being with somebody, you don't know that person very well, you're trying to suss them out and to a certain extent, you're trying to mold yourself into what they want to see. So I think many people have the experience of if they start dating somebody and that person is into a certain activity, you know, you can basically ham up how much you're into that. So they say they're into bowling and you're like, oh my God, I I love bowling too. Or they say they love spicy food. And even though you have literally no spice tolerance, you're like, yeah, yeah, I, I like spicy food too. Because you're trying to make yourself amenable, attractive. You're trying to make the relationship have as little friction as possible. And one of the ways to not have friction is just to be agreeable. But as time goes by, it's only natural that you can't keep up that pretense that long. So you might have pretended at the very beginning that you're interested in sci-fi films. But as time goes by, you're going to have to reveal that maybe you're just into psychological thrillers or romance films. And going a bit bit deeper, even just being like when you've been with somebody for a very long time, 
even you just being able to be who you are without having to perform. That's why you feel a sense of relief when you come home from work. So when you're at work, you are performing to a certain extent. You're performing the professional version of you. So the way that you speak, the way that you dress, the things that you express, the things that you suppress, the things that you don't tell them. So you're performing all day long, which is why it takes a mental toll. And the reason why you feel a sense of relief when you come home to your partner is because at home, in the comfort of your own space, you're not performing for them. So you're not guarding what you say. You're not thinking or double thinking, shall we say, what you're going to say before you say it. And even just how the, the physicality of how you are. So at work, for example, you're not going to sprawl and take over all the space. Or when you're on the on public transport, you're not going to sprawl. Unless you're a man. I mean, they do that all the time. But for the most part, you're not going to sprawl and take over people's space. You're not going to like, I don't know eat crisps straight from the bag and lick your fingers because people think that's gross but at home you know you can do all your little gross things and your partner won't blink twice because they've seen that a million times they love you and they accept you for who you are so whether it's eating straight from the bag or eating from the pot when you're being you know especially lazy or spending like all weekend in your pajamas and not showering or you know all the little habits that we we do when we're alone we basically become comfortable doing those things without you know like feeling self-conscious or feeling that we're being judged or feeling like we have to basically be performing so that's one of the great comforts of being with somebody for a very long time you both give each other permission to be yourself and still be accepted in that space of being yourself and connected to that as well is the capacity to to express a whole range of emotions to your partner so in the early stages of dating somebody you're kind of restricted to only showing positive not necessarily only positive but let's say there is a limit to the negative emotions that you can express because if you're dating somebody in the early stages and you for example have a outsized response to something in in a way that shows a, a disproportionate level of anger or disappointment or even just vulnerability that can scare off the other person or you can feel that it's going to uh, scare off the other person so it means that you basically rein in your emotions so usually it's okay to express positive emotions but even with positive emotions you don't want to come on too strong or seem too eager or seem like you want them more than they want you so on both sides usually there's a level of tempering your emotions to make them um, not necessarily seem mysterious, but a little bit of that. You want to seem like you're 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 into them, but not too into them. And then when it comes to the negative sides uh, of emotions or the negative emotions, you also don't want them to feel that you are crazy or overly emotional or overly dependent on them very early on. And the net effect of that is that you just end up being more guarded in in your emotions. Now, contrast that to when you've been with somebody for a number of years and they've probably seen a whole host of emotions from you. They've seen you throw tantrums. They've seen you be angry. They've seen you be catty. They've seen you be bitchy about people. They've seen you be super happy. They've seen you be sad. They've seen you be disappointed. There's probably very few emotions they haven't seen from you. And the thing about expressing emotions, you know, once you express the emotions and the world doesn't end, the person doesn't leave, the person doesn't have a negative response to your emotions, it basically gives you, it gives you the permission to express yourself fully or to bring your whole self to the table. So when you're in a long-term relationship, you don't have to be guarded about what you think about things. You can voice your opinions in a way that's honest and authentic. You can talk about your disappointments. You can talk about your, your soft spots. You can be vulnerable with the 
person. And also you can express negative emotions, which is also important to express, you know, obviously in a, in a responsible way, in like a kind way, you don't want to be going off on people. But it's not as though you can be with somebody for 10 years, for example, and not express anger at some point or not express disappointment at some point. You know, that's just a natural part of life. And the comfort of being with somebody long term is once they've given you permission to express yourself fully and you have seen that they love you regardless or in some cases love you more because it bonds you closer, the more authentic you are to yourself and the more you vocalize your feelings and the more you connect with that person, then as time goes by, you know, you don't have to do that performance that you put on for other people. And even to even with friends, to a certain extent, you perform. So I find that with friends, there's a way that you have to express things. You know, you can't just say it as it is. You have to obviously sugarcoat it. Or sometimes your friend, for example, might be a terrible singer and you're not going to say, love, I don't think, I think you should give it up. You have to encourage them because they need to go through that process and realize that for themselves. But when you've been with somebody for a long time, it can actually be a, an act of kindness to say, I think maybe your talents lay here. I mean, maybe that's a toxic trait that I have, but I personally... I personally appreciate somebody being upfront with me and not letting me make a fool of myself in front of people, you know? Like, when you've been with somebody for a long time, if, they, if you've got spinach in your teeth, they're not going to let you go to a party or, or stand out there looking foolish. Or, you know, if you've applied too much makeup or there's too much blush or, you know, you've got visible panty lines or whatever it is, they're going to tell you things that make them uncomfortable to say, but they say those things to you regardless because honesty is important and you've also established a track record of expressing a whole host of emotions and those emotions being okay to accept. So that's the second thing that I, I love about being in long-term relationships. The third thing is kind of connected to the to the previous point. And it's basically, you're not afraid to try things in front of your partner. So in early relationships, let's say somebody has ambitions of being a singer or, you know, they enjoy singing, they think they've got a good voice, but they're not confident enough. You know, they might not even sing in front of their partner. They might feel shy to speak in front of their partners because they don't want to be judged or they don't want um, any possible negative response to their singing. So, you know, they maybe only sing in front of their family or in front of, of their very close friends. So it's sort of restricting themselves from trying. So they might not go to auditions because if they're working a nine to five and they go for auditions and it's obviously saying that you've got, you know, hopes and dreams of being a singer and obviously it's a very competitive field. So you might not put yourself out there or, you know, let's say you go to university and you don't do particularly well. You know, when you've been with somebody for a long time, there's no whatever failures you have don't define you. So with fair weather friends, for example, you can really only be winning with them. So as long as you look good, as long as you've got a good job, you're earning it, you know, good money, then they're happy to stick around and they're happy to sort of like sing your praises. However, when negative times arise, then that's when you see those friends being distant. However, when you're in a relationship where you've established a track record of trying things and failing at things. The beautiful thing about it is they don't hold you hostage to those things. Not only do they not hold you hostage to your failures, so it's not as though you failed at something, you know, you didn't do well at uni, for example, or you, you, you know, you tried out for that singing audition and it actually went terribly. They're not going to remind you of it and say, oh, hey, remember that time you sucked at No, because they themselves have tried things in front of you and they have failed and that's just the nature of life. There's a, a, there's a safe space in being able to try new things whereas obviously with fair weather friends the minute that 
you know, you fail, you can feel as though that has now been crystallized into who you are. You are now that person in their eyes that has failed at that. And that's not the case in long-term relationships, you know. There's that freedom to to pursue things and should they should they fail or should they not work out? There's sort of a mutual understanding that that thing is never to be brought up again. It's dead to both of us. And that ultimately means that you're more likely to try new things or to put yourself out there in the future because there's nobody holding you hostage to those failures and there's nobody trying to define who you are by your past failures as well. Okay, so the second last pro I'd like to talk about is when you're with somebody for a long time, you know, one of the natural outcomes is that you end up getting close um, to their family and they end up getting close to your family. So the positive of that, like let's say your siblings really like your partner or your spouse or your, your parents really like them or your extended family really likes them. It's actually a very positive thing for the relationship because it reinforces the relationship in a way so when they like your partner in in tough times when you are moaning about your partner or there's a or there's a difficult thing that you're going through with them there's a there's a much greater chance that your part that your friends and your family are going to take your partner's side or they're going to give you advice that that's not leave them you know start afresh it's probably going to to be things like they're a wonderful person and you're going through a difficult time maybe you should try this you know so they really are instrumental in keeping you together because that closeness fosters a sense of them them being your family and friends being invested in you staying together long term and because they obviously love you and they obviously like your partner the advice they give you is advice that keeps you together and that reduces conflicts as opposed to amplifying conflicts and obviously we've all seen when when the reverse is true so when your friends and family aren't close to your partner and they don't like your partner. It means that whenever you come to them for counsel or advice, the natural inclination is for them to take a negative view in the relationship and to subtly or explicitly encourage you to leave that relationship because they don't like that person. And it might be, you know, perfectly justified. But regardless, being in a, a long term relationship usually means that the relationship is is somewhat positive or is very positive obviously there's extreme cases where there's all kinds of madness going on that's not the kinds of relationships i'm talking about i'm talking about middle of the road good relationships there's no abuse there's no no outsized negative things just the daily grievances that partners might have against their partners and through those through that lens because your families are close because they like your partner then not only is it nice and heartwarming to see your siblings, for example, interacting with your with your spouse or partner and they're laughing and they're sharing jokes or you walk into a room and you find that your spouse or partner is talking to your a family member and you didn't know about it and they're having a laugh. That's a really nice feeling. You feel a level of added closeness because they are so close to your family. And also the reverse is true in terms of them. Like when you are close to their family, you try and show you love your partner through how kindly you treat your partner. So if your partner has siblings, for example, you might get them presents or you might be extra attentive when they visit or you might remember little things about them and send them flowers or cards at, you know, at milestone milestone moments in their lives because again that closeness naturally fosters goodwill from you you know because they because their family likes you you like them and you're more likely to go out of your way to show acts of kindness to your partner through their family because they probably do the same for you and also because it comes naturally you know I feel like when you love somebody you love their extended family as well because they're obviously a part of who your partner is so 
being in a, in a long-term relationship, you're more likely to get that level of self-reinforcing acts of kindness and closeness, you know, that keeps going back and forth between you two. And then the final final component and the final really big benefit, obviously there's loads of benefits I could have talked about, but I think, you know, I, I was trying to reflect on the ones that I value the most or the ones that I have a, a big impact on how you're able to navigate life with them. The final one is that you are able to get very close to them in a non-romantic sense as well so obviously there's the romantic relationship intimate side of the relationship but also ultimately when you're able to express yourself freely with somebody when you're able to express a whole host of emotions with them when you're able to fail in front of them and that is okay and they still encourage you on your next project all those all those components of that relationship fosters closeness it's the kind of closeness as well that good friends have like a good friend is probably going to have many of those qualities as well so as time goes by you end up becoming best friends with that person in the deepest sense it can feel like it's a love that is unconditional in the sense that there are no conditions in the obvious sense to your love so it's not like you have to only succeed to be loved by them. It's not like you only have to always be a ray of sunshine to be loved by them. It's not as though you have to be perfect in every way to be loved by them. And ultimately, those things mean that you can become closer to them in many other respects, including the best friend sense, because they're going to be the person that picks you up a lot of the time when you're down, the person who sees you at your lowest and at your highest. They're the person who share many of life's milestones with you. And the net effect of that is that you end up becoming not just lovers but also best friends and there's a real deep satisfaction that can come from knowing that whatever happens in your relationship or whatever life throws at you there's somebody at home who's always wishing you the best who is always on your side who is looking at you and hoping that you succeed because obviously your success is their success so the component of being best friends is you know one of the most beautiful outcomes of being in a long-term relationship now it's obviously not all roses and sunshine there are also cons to being in long-term relationships and i'm going to go through a few of those and they're kind of in, in interconnected in a way and you'll see why but there are a couple sort of distinct categories as well. So the first con is that you can stop growing when you've been with somebody for a very long time. And the reason for that is pretty simple. It's it, Nothing really has to happen, like nothing bad happens. It actually can be a net effect of the relationship being, or not a net effect, or yeah, it can actually be the outcome of the relationship being so good. So when you're safe and comfortable and happy, that's not conducive to you trying new things. Usually, well, at least me, usually I have get up and go fighting energy when I'm unhappy. So I'm in a situation where I don't like my circumstances. Let's say I'm unhappy at work, for example, or I'm unhappy with an area of an, uh, an area in my life. And because I'm unhappy, then I'm motivated to make a change. You know, I'm motivated to try something else. I'm not motivated to make a plan to change my circumstances. But when you're in a long-term relationship, many of your core needs are met. So you have probably a comfortable home that you've sort of created for yourselves. You're nice and nestled. You have your home comforts. Maybe you've got a couple of pets. Maybe you've established a really cozy life for yourselves. Also, you probably are settled in at work because you, usually when you have a stable base at home, it tends to follow that you have a stable base in work as well because you kind of have to be stable to maintain your home. So you're not going to be chopping and changing jobs all the time because you have 
a shared mortgage, for example, I wish, <laughs> more like a share, shared rent to pay. You've got pets to maintain. You've got a lifestyle with your partner to maintain. So you're not going to be jet setting across the world and changing jobs every six months because instability would cause the cozy life you have to also be thrown into chaos, basically. And while stability is good, it's good for your mental health, for example, not being in financially precarious situations and not sort of having a stable um, roof over your head. Comfort as well can mean you over time become risk averse. You know, let's say hypothetically you meet your partner when you're 20 years old. And when we're 20 years old, we have all kinds of ambitions for life and all kinds of dreams that we want to experience as time goes by. So maybe we say we want to travel all across Europe or we want to travel all across Africa, as I do. Or let's say you've got fantasies about working in the big city or a big city that you you know have always dreamed in working in. Or there's a particular job that you want to eventually end up in. Or there's a career that you want to transition in eventually, you know, when you're when you're older. Somehow, some way, as time goes by, those dreams become or they transition from being in the foreground to being in the background. So it's something that you're going to get to later. So it's not that you give up your dreams in an explicit conscious way. You don't say, you know, forget traveling across the world. You know, I I like just being in my little hometown or in my little city in my house. No, it's just that you end up delaying those things until eventually it doesn't really make sense to do those things. So let's say, you're 20 when you initially meet your partner. By the time you're 30 years old, you've been together for a decade and you have way more responsibilities now. So you've accumulated a couple of cats, for example. You've got a whole house that you that you have to maintain. Let's say you have a mortgage, for example. That naturally means that you have to be safer in the way that you live your life. You can't just, you know, up and leave and go travel the, the world, obviously, because you've got bills to pay at home. And also even paying those bills and being a responsible adult and having those those responsibilities that you abide by, that is also a form of growth, obviously, you know, part the science of maturity is being able to to execute your obligations and to be responsible and to keep your promises. So it's not that you're not growing necessarily, you are growing, you're becoming an adult, you're doing life, you're being mature. However, growth is also putting yourself out there and trying new things and trying to conquer the things that you said that you were going to conquer. And whether it's true or perceived, not going after your dreams is going to make you feel as though you're not growing. It's going to make you feel as though you settled in your in your life in a way, you didn't pursue the things that were that required risk taking, that required putting yourself out there. And it can foster a sense of feeling stagnant. And, you know, if you are somebody who directs blame outward, you can end up putting the blame on why you didn't accomplish those things, not on your own choices and the fact that you chose comfort over over going for those dreams. You can actually end up directing that blame towards your partner, in particular when things are not going well. So you'll say, you trapped me with a child, for example, or you, you caused me to commit to the relationship too soon, or... There's all these obligations that I owe you and I don't want to feel like I owe you. You end up directing that frustration and that anger towards your partner, even though really the only person responsible for your life is you. But regardless, that can end up having a negative relationship because now you're associating your, you're equating your lack of not going for the things that you wanted to go after with the fact that you are in a relationship and by proxy on your partner because you're obviously in a relationship with your partner. 
And not only is that not helpful to you because you're not taking accountability for your own actions, you're not viewing yourself as somebody who has agency with the capacity to change your life at any given moment if you choose to do so, you're also putting an unfair burden on your partner to be the person who makes all your dreams come true or to be the scapegoat for for you not accomplishing the things that you wanted to accomplish. So that's the first con. The second con is that you end up taking it on each other's bad habits. So when you spend when you spend a lot of time with somebody anyway, you're going to take on their habits, whether good or bad. So when you're at work, for example, you probably find that you take on the expressions of the people that you like, or you'll start doing the things, you'll start being really stubborn in the way that you do things. So you leave your current workplace and you go to a new workplace and you'll insist on doing the things that you used to do at your old, used to do at your old place in your new place. And that's just because you've developed the habit of doing things in a particular way because you're there for a long time. The same is also true when you're with somebody in a relationship so at the beginning let's say you're really into being active and you enjoy doing exercise if your partner is also into doing exercise and doing activities chances are you're going to maintain that habit because it's something that you both naturally enjoy and you're not going to have to sort of compromise on that because both of you want those things but part of the relationship or part of any relationship is compromise so when you're looking at your weekend together you're trying to decide on the things that you're going to do that both that brings both people pleasure so if one person really wants to go for a hike and the other person really wants to go to the cinema you're going to have to acquiesce sooner or later you can't always get your way so you're not always going to go hiking and they also can't always get their way they're you know they also want to go to the cinema so you're going to do the things that are positive less and you're going to do the things that they want more and I'm not saying the things going to the cinema is negative of course it's not a negative thing this is an example of they're both positive things but you just end up doing the other person's thing because the nature of relationships is going to be compromised it's also true however when somebody has bad habits so let's say you're with somebody and you never were a big drinker but they were a very big drinker as time goes by you're probably going to find that you drink more because there's probably going to be more alcohol in the in the house they probably are going to gravitate towards going to places where alcohol is being served or alcohol is the main purpose of the place like bars and clubs and and social events that's that rotate around alcohol or they might even peer pressure you into drinking so you might get the sense that they enjoy your company more when you're drinking or you might get a sense that they feel self-conscious when you're not drinking so to be social and to not be awkward you might end up drinking so you end up taking on a bad habit not because you decided okay I'm now going to become a, a drinker just because we're social beings and we tend to sort of want to make the people around us feel comfortable and some of the, sometimes that means taking on habits that aren't our own for the benefit of making the other person feel comfortable and also for the benefit of us not being in an un, in an uncomfortable situation shall we say that applies to things like drinking that applies to things like smoking where you can meet somebody and you maybe had smoked a couple of times at parties but now because they smoke all the time you know maybe you smoke a bit more often with them or let's say they don't exercise but you used to exercise well again you have to you're going to have to compromise on how you spend your evenings or your weekends so you end up naturally just not exercising um, as much as you would like to so being with somebody for a long time can mean that 
there's a cumulative effect to these things that as time goes by, you take on many of their positive aspects, but you also take on more of your negative aspects, which means that not only are you carrying forward your own bad habits and you're spreading your bad habits to them as well, but they're also giving you their bad habits. And it means that, you know, before you were together, you just had your own bad habits, but now you have your bad habits and their bad habits as well. So it adds up as time goes by. And the second last thing I'd like to cover is you end up just having a lower quality sex life. And that's because either you have sex less often, so the frequency goes down, or you end up having more banal or boring sex. Because as time goes by, you know, once you've tried a few, once you've tried a few things or even many things, there's not that many new avenues to explore. You end up kind of settling into a routine and that routine can be comforting in the sense that you know what you're doing. So you know how to get your partner there, you know what they like, but it can also mean that your relationship in that way, the intimate part part of your relationship ends up feeling stale and stagnant, which is not conducive to wanting to do it more. So if every time you're intimate with your partner, you can anticipate exactly what they're going to do in what order and it feels boring or it feels repetitive or it feels unexciting then the natural effect is that as time goes by the frequency is going to wane as well as the quality of sex as well is going to wane and the waning actually is not just because of how you have sex because it's become all, all too familiar it's actually to do with other things uh, or put another way it's to do with other areas of your relationship now feeding into into your sex life. So we just spoke about taking on more responsibilities as you get older and that can end up having a negative effect as well because obviously when you're younger, let's say you meet while you're at university or you meet when you're 20 and just working a casual job, you obviously have a lot more time to think about your partner and how to stimulate them and how to create excitement with them. That changes the older that you get because you probably work more demanding jobs, you have more responsibilities at work, and you have just more life responsibilities in general. And maybe your parents are older and you have to look after them. Maybe you've got bills to pay that take up, you know, more real estate in your mind. Or maybe just the even just the daily trudgery of looking after a home you know like you gotta wash the dishes you gotta do laundry you gotta hoover you gotta keep the house maintained and that's real labor that takes up time and and energy especially because you gotta keep doing it every day it's not even as though you wash the dishes once and you're done or you hoover and you mop once and it's done that's like an everyday thing you know because you eat every day so there's dishes every day so there's crumbs on the floor every day you know the cat's litter's got to be changed every other day you know it takes a real toll on on the space you have to think about other things another reason why the sex life can wane is because there's an over familiarity that can come about when you've been with somebody for a long time and this is just this is true of most relationships even outside the sex life com- component so take your best friend and put yourselves on an island together and you're all you have for each other's company, you're probably going to get sick of them because you're going to hear the same jokes. You're going to know all there is to know about them. You're going to have them in your space and not have enough space for your t- for yourself. And as time goes by, you end up not feeling closer because of that over-familiarity. You end up actually feeling a bit repelled by that over-familiarity. 
And one of the key components to feeling sexual attraction or feeling uh, desire is there has to be a sense of distance. So there's distance and you want to close that distance. There's distance and therefore there is mystery. And when there is no distance and there is only familiarity and it's day in, day out, you see them, you're with them, you do everything together, you have breakfast together, you have dinner together, you do weekends together all the time. That over familiarity naturally degrades the mystery that can exist in that relationship and without that mystery there is less of an excitement and less of an anticipation when it comes to sex an outside sort of over familiarity that can also be manifested in just not keeping up your appearances so when you first meet your partner you're super excited about you know keeping it fresh and being desirable to them so you get your hair done your nails are done you've got your makeup on you smell nice you know you always make sure that you look desirable to them but once you've been with somebody for five years shall we say you're probably in your pajamas all weekend long and there's nothing wrong with being in your pajamas because ultimately you need to be comfortable as well but if it's if it's pajamas that are like you know cartoon pajamas with your cozy socks and you've got your head wrapped your hair wrapped maybe you haven't brushed your teeth yet and it's already like 4 p.m maybe you've got a couple of stains from like last night's dinner that's fine but you know the consequences to looking like that all the time also means that the person is not thinking or looking at you as a sexual being, as somebody who is desirable because you're not presenting yourself in such a way. And also, you know, the 15 pound weight gain is real. 15 pounds and the rest, actually. So you not only are you not just dressing and looking and smelling good, but maybe you've gained a whole bunch of weight as well. And while there's nothing wrong with being in a bigger body, it is it is damaging to the sex life if the person met you looking a very different way and if that is their body type. So let's say if you know in your heart of hearts that if you were to meet your partner right now, today, the way that you look, they wouldn't be attracted to you because that's you know that that's not their type, then obviously it means that it's going to have a negative impact on the relationship because they still have eyes, they still have the same type, they still have the same body type. And if you no longer fit that category, then obviously that can affect attractiveness and desire and therefore the sex life or the frequency of how often you have sex and actually the scariest thing about this last category of appearances and and not looking good or not presenting yourself well is that it's one of those areas that it that is very sensitive so even if your partner feels as though you've let yourself go in many ways or in a number of ways they probably aren't going to want to hurt your feelings because again they love you and they care about you and they don't want to plant an idea that can erode your self-esteem so instead they'll still feel the way they feel they'll still not have the attraction they'll still love you but they won't have that attraction towards you but they won't feel able to tell you because ultimately that's that's a terrible thing to say to your partner that can end up affecting them psychologically and emotionally and their self-esteem and can end up actually having unintended consequences in terms of you know how they end up behaving so it's not the case that you tell somebody oh hey you've let yourself go and then they they think okay well let me fix up that no it can end up actually having a really negative effect and end up meaning they actually let themselves even let themselves go even further now the second last con is the idea of keeping of not keeping up your personality and what I mean by that is when you first meet your partner you are probably bringing your best self to the table so you're bringing your most humorous side you're bringing your most knowledgeable side you're bringing your most thoughtful self you know you are 
showing them acts of kindness. You're engaged when you speak with them. You're making eye contact. You're not looking on your phone. You're making time for them. You know, you're you're making sure that you're a pleasant and happy person to be around because that's you want to be attractive to them. You want them to want to spend more time with you. But as time goes by in long-term relationships, you can actually just end up saving your best self for the people outside and then only bringing over or only bringing home the leftovers to your partner. So, you know, when you're at work, when you're with your friends, you know, you're this bubbly, vivacious person. But then when you come home, you know, you're inattentive. You're you're not engaging with your partner. You're not asking them about their day. You're not seeing them as an in, as a unique, individual, interesting person to impress because you've kind of given your best self to the other people and you've taken your partner's companionship and love for granted at that stage so you think ah sure they don't mind if I if I pick up my phone and I text while I speak to them or I'm looking at a tv show while they're trying to tell me about their day or I'm not complimenting them because you think almost as though you almost think you've done the work already and you've sort of arrived so the con basically is you you can end up taking your partner for granted in in the two respects I just spoke about the physical component but also just personality of never bringing your best self home to them and always leaving them with the leftovers and now the final con of being in a long-term relationship, which I think, again, is is bred from over-familiarity and just being overly comfortable in relationships, is actually not keeping up love's gestures. So when you're with somebody for the first, when you're first with somebody initially, one of the most beautiful parts or the nicest parts is how tender they are with you, how thoughtful they are with you, how nice and gentle they are with you. And vice versa, you know, the voice that you use with your with your new girlfriend or boyfriend is not the voice that you use with somebody you've been with for five years. And that's a real shame. So initially when you're with somebody, you're really gentle, you're tender, you're flirtatious, you're sweet, you know? And then you see, you know, you see in the supermarkets, people like Couples that have obviously been together for a very long time, like rolling their eyes at their partners or not waiting up for their partners or not linking arms or holding hands as they walk through the store or generally just having a demeanor of angst or or just unpleasantness, you know, and you think and the, and the funny thing is that when they get to the till and they're interacting with the with the with the salesperson or like the person who processes your your purchases, they're super friendly. So all of a sudden they have a big smile for that person or they ask them how their day is going. They're engaging with them in a way that is gentle and, and kind and, and, and sweet even, but they're not reserving those same actions at the very least for their partners. So at the very least, we should still maintain the level of niceness that we give to strangers to our partners. And beyond that, we should still obviously still maintain love's gestures, you know, terms of endearment, you know, giving your partner an unsolicited hug just because you feel like hugging them or giving them a kiss when they don't expect it or just speaking to them in a way that is sweet and tender and kind. So when you're in a long-term relationship, sometimes because of that over-familiarity and because you've kind of become roommates in a way or because you're not forced to sort of constantly woo them and 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 court them you can end up not even doing the basics of being just nice and gentle with them and the bad thing about all these uh, different components of or, or different cons of being in a long-term relationship is that they have a net uh, they have a cumulative effect. So when you stop growing, you essentially become predictable to your partner because you're the same person you were a year ago, five years ago. So 
why should they invest time in getting to know you and being inquisitive and and being interested in you if you stopped growing like five years ago? Like literally nothing new to get to know about you and therefore your partner just stops taking an interest in you. Or when you take on you know, the bad habits, when you either display your own bad habits or you independently take on new bad habits, it means that you end up one, not having a lot of mystery in your partner's eyes because they're looking at you and they're kind of seeing the worst of you like day in, day out. But also they over time lose respect for you, even if they do those same things as well. So often, often we admire in others things that we don't have in ourselves. So let's say you meet somebody and they've got, I always notice this, they've got a really wide reference point and you can tell that they read a lot. You admire that because you think, wow, you spend a lot of time reading different things and that's why you've got a wide reference point. And I wish I was a little bit like that. The reverse is true though, in that often when we see things that we don't like in ourselves, In other people, we also don't like it in them. So if you, for example, have a bad TV habit and you spend way too much time watching TV, just literally sitting in front of your laptop or TV, just conked out, just watching endless trash TV and your partner walks in at like 6 p.m. and you're watching TV. They walk back in at 10 p.m. You're still watching TV. They walk in at 11 p.m. or 1 a.m. and you're still watching TV. Ultimately, they're not going to respect you because they think, This person just spends all day, you know, conked out in front of the TV, not doing anything with their lives. So on some level, they kind of lose respect for you, even if they themselves have a bad habit. It doesn't mean that they start to see that bad habit in a positive way. If anything, it can end up being repulsive, seeing a bad thing that you already don't like about yourself being reflected in the person that you love. And then the final, final cumulative effect that arises is the low sex life or the bad quality sex life ends up being so impactful in the rest of your relationship. You know, I think most people know the more sex that you have, the more sex that you want to have. And when you have sex, you're not only seeing your your partner in a uniquely romantic way that you don't see other people. You're also obviously releasing positive hormones, you know, like oxytocin, which means that when your partner irritates you later on, you end up actually being more forgiving because you're seeing them through loves like hazy rose tinted glasses that you really kind of only get when you are intimate with somebody. And I think people have had the experience as well of when you first sleep with somebody or when you've slept with somebody recently, you know, it's not they can't do any wrong in your eyes. It's just that you're just more, you give them a lot more grace. And similarly, when you haven't been intimate in a long time, you can end up just being bitter or bickering or being resentful of them and you don't identify that with the fact that you're not being intimate or you're not being intimate to a level that you like but it is actually what's happening especially when there's a mismatch in libidos and one person wants to be more intimate than the other person then definitely those feelings of ill will can end up trickling into other areas of 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 the relationship even though it originated in in the bedroom or in one area being the sex life now, when we, you know, after talking about all these all these different components, especially in the cons list, I thought about what the conventional wisdom is on on long-term relationships. And what I always see in when I'm on social media or what I've, you know, the advice I've I've received in real life as well is the idea that you need to be friends with your partner first and lover second or ideally best friends with your partner. And the thinking behind this is that when you connect on a on a level that is superficial, shall we say, so when you focus on the physical component of the relationship at the expense of the friendship part of the relationship, it means that when time goes by and looks fade and you're not the way that you were, you don't have the same body that you used to have, 
and you have wrinkles and gray hair, whatever, it means that that attraction is going to go and that the relationship is not going to have a strong foundation for it to keep going. So it's unsustainable to not have that friendship because all things fade as time goes by. And for me, while I like the sound of that on the surface, you know, it's heartwarming in the sense, you know, focus on friendship, focus on developing a sustainable relationship that's based on the qualities of friendship. I don't know if I agree with that advice. And the reason for that is that, you know, I think many of those needs are actually met by your friends already. You know, for most people, your friends are the people that you can go to for advice and counsel when you need it. They're the people who, you know, go to events with you and, you know, take like girls trips away with. They're the people who you might share hobbies with. So maybe you both have like really niche hobbies and you spend an endless amount of time talking and texting about that, that niche hobby in a way that isn't annoying because it's your friend and they're also into the same thing. They're also people who you can just go and have a moan with you know so you can go and complain about work with them you can go and talk about even your own relationship to them or issues you might be having with your family so friends fulfill many of those needs already the need for you know closeness for companionship for counsel for advice for platonic relations for for platonic closeness What friends can't fulfill, though, is your need for affection. They can't fulfill your need for intimacy. They can't give you sex. They can't give you romantic love, which is obviously very different to platonic love. And they also can't make you feel wanted. And all these things are core innate needs that people, when they don't have these needs met, end up looking for them because it's not satisfying a core part of who they are or a core part of a need that they have. So what happens in long-term relationships where the friendship part has been has taken over the romantic part or is overrepresented at the expense of the romantic part is that, you know, the people in the relationship just stop nurturing the romantic aspects of the relationship. And at this stage, that's when things like dates stop being as frequent as they used to be. Maybe you don't take weekend trips anymore. Maybe there aren't romantic gestures anymore, like flowers or surprise baths with petals or surprise weekends away. Maybe that tenderness, that loves gestures that I spoke about earlier aren't there anymore. So maybe there isn't like random kisses or physical closeness or just tenderness and kindness that you reserve for just your lover. Maybe those components of love aren't present in the relationship anymore and along with that desire can wane you know novelty can wane a desire to to surprise and thrill the other person can wane and you might be thinking that these things aren't mutually exclusive so it's not the case that you have to either make a choice between being friends with your partner or being romantic or being romantically close with your partner and that can be true it is possible to have those those two things the problem however is when the romantic side is neglected and there's an expectation that the friendship side is going to be able to sustain the relationship relationship in a romantic sense in the long term and I even disagree with the premise that looks fade or of course looks fade but I disagree with the premise that looks fade equals a loss of attraction because what makes somebody fundamentally attractive it really isn't how they look although that can be a component of how they look obviously but we've all met somebody who is incredibly good looking but they give you the ick because of their personality so maybe they're like incredibly good looking but you know, they're a limp person, they've got no conversation, they're they're not intelligent or bright, then, you know, their attractiveness goes down a notch or goes down several notches. And I'm sure we've all also had the experience of meeting somebody 
who isn't like traditionally good looking so you wouldn't look at them and think wow that person is really good looking but there's just like something about them there's something about them that is mesmerizing they're captivating so maybe it's because they've got charisma maybe it's because they're really good conversationalists maybe it's because they're really intelligent you find that attractive or maybe it's because they're powerful and they've got a sense of dominating or controlling the room that you like or people just naturally show them respect because they ooze that sense of self-confidence so it is their looks per se that is making you see them as an attractive person it's actually the things the qualities that I've just described and in long-term relationships obviously after looks fade you can still have those parts and truth be told it was it was probably those components that that initially made your partner be attracted to you because when you meet somebody in person and there's a room and and obviously most people are average looking because that's the way the averages look so it usually isn't because that person is is striking that you notice them it's usually something about them maybe they've got charisma maybe there's a sense of self-confidence maybe they've got a sense of adventure about them maybe it's the way they laugh and they've got a sense of of silliness and youthfulness and that draws you to them and because you're drawn, because they're exhibiting those qualities, you end up being attracted to them because you're attracted to those qualities. All those things are possible to maintain in a long-term relationship because they're actually not necessarily dependent on the looks. But the looks in a long-term relationship can sometimes be a litmus test for for telling to what extent the the people in the relationship have stopped trying to romance and woo and nurture the romantic component of their relationships because it's usually very unlikely that both people no longer you know look the way they used to look and maybe they're not happy with how they look but they still send each other flowers all the time or they still have romantic getaways or they still have acts of like gestures of kindness and tenderness that are spontaneous directed towards their partners usually that's not the case usually other parts of the relationship has suffered and instead of addressing those things they sort of rely on the friendship part to carry the relationship forward so the question then becomes if that is possible can the friendship part carry the rest of the relationship forward and I think it can only do it for so long ultimately you have other friends that meet all or most of the needs that your partner gives you if all you have with your partner is friendship but the parts that are going to go unfulfilled and unmet are the romantic components that only your partner obviously in the context of a monogamous relationship can give you So they're the things that I've been thinking about, especially as we come towards the end of 2023 and we're going into, you know, a brand new year. I like to focus, you know, the improvement inward, because when we're thinking about our relationships and we're thinking about how to improve them, sometimes the temptation can be to direct that focus outward. So instead of focusing on the ways that we personally have contributed to the to the dynamics we find ourselves in we can think well what can my partner change to make me more happy or to make me more fulfilled in my relationship and that's the wrong way to go about it because often people when you direct that kind of criticism towards somebody they usually feel attacked because to some extent they kind of are being attacked but also usually people don't change because you want them to change they change because they are motivated to change for themselves and that motivation can come from seeing other people change their lot themselves or improve themselves or it can be a spontaneous thing that comes about because they were already thinking about that regardless it's probably going to be outside your control to 
Foster long-term changes in your relationship if you don't first direct the work inward. What happens though when you direct the work inward is that you're actually going to feel very good about yourself because being in a dynamic that you're not 100% happy about fosters feelings of losing control or not having agency or feeling stuck. And when you start directing changes inwards, you say, you know what, I feel like I've let myself go physically. You know, I've put on 50 pounds in the course of this relationship and I don't feel the way I used to feel. I don't feel like myself. When you decide to go to the gym and you start working out and you start eating healthy and you start being conscious about the things that you put in your body, you're naturally going to feel good about yourself. And when you feel good about yourself, you radiate self-confidence. When you radiate self-confidence, then the people around you feel more drawn to you because there's something there's something interesting about you. There's a change in who you are in the energy that you're putting out because you're feeling good. And that naturally makes them want to be more interested in you and take more of an interest in you. And also it might inspire them to make changes themselves because People tend to change when they see something positive reflected back at them. There's no point you talking about how you're sort of unhappy with your relationship or your partner if they look at you and they think, well, what are you doing differently? Like you eat the same things I eat. You have the same level of inactivity as I do. You know, those who can't do preach. So you you really do need to put in the work first and direct the work inward because you obviously had a 50-50% contribution at least to the current dynamic. And also, it's not really fair to ask of others things that you can't do for yourself. And let's say maybe the the work that you're trying to do as you come to 2024 isn't physical. Maybe it's just being stuck in a job that makes you unhappy. Let's say you find yourself always complaining about work and you feel like you bring a general negative energy when you think about work and that affects other areas of your life. Maybe the self-improvement that can benefit your relationship is just getting out of that job, finding a new place that doesn't wear you down, that you go in and you feel excited to be there, you feel motivated, you feel intellectually stimulated, and you feel like they value you. Because when you're going in day in, day out to a job that you feel doesn't value you or doesn't bring you happiness, there is no way that that is not going to impact not only your own mental well-being, But there's no way you're not going to bring that energy to other aspects of your life. And the brunt of that is probably going to be directed towards your relationship or it's going to find itself in your relationship. And it's quite difficult to think about being romantic or to focus on how you're going to bring novelty to your relationship or flirt with your partner or make them excited about you or like romance them when you're being weighed down day in, day out by this job that you hate or this job that brings you such unhappiness. But regardless, all these changes, the first step that is required is an honest assessment of yourself with kindness. You know, it doesn't mean that when you're evaluating your relationship and the things that you might have done to contribute towards the level of unsatisfaction that you have needs to be done through a lens of shaming or negative energy or like a sense of holding yourself hostage to some mistakes you might have made. No, it's ultimately never too late to make changes. And these changes actually can end up changing the course of your relationship very quickly and can end up changing how you feel, how your partner feels, how bring a new lease and a new sense of momentum to the relationship. And it's much better than the alternative because sometimes when people find themselves in long-term relationships and they feel as though the romantic sides of their relationship is dead or is no longer fulfilling because it's it's waned so much, 
There's a temptation to chuck the relationship away and to start anew. You can think, well, maybe the problem is with my partner. Maybe the solution is for me to go out there and find somebody new and who's going to fulfill me in this romantic sense where there's going to be romance, there's going to be novelty, there's going to be excitement, there's going to be a better sex life. But what you forget is that the grass is not always greener. And not only is the grass not always greener, but when the when your front lawn is all dried out and doesn't look good, it's because you haven't been watering it. So there's no point you chucking away a relationship that you've invested a lot of time that still fulfills you on a on a core level and you love the person they make you happy you're just not happy with this component it's not worth throwing away because ultimately what's going to happen is you're going to start this new relationship and then when you're in the long-term phase with that person you're going to have the same issues because ultimately the outcome of the relationship or the status of the relationship now is a response to how not only your partner has behaved but also how you have behaved and not only that but the actions that we take during the relationship have a knock-on effect on how our partner responds to us so if you enter a relationship and you are neglectful of the relationship you don't give them compliments you don't show acts of kindness and tenderness you're not romantic you don't initiate sex you don't initiate excitement and weekends away and all those things over time that relationship is literally going to manifest into your current relationship so you might as well save yourself the heartache and focus on at least giving this current relationship your best self as we go into 2024 and seeing all the positive changes that are going to result from 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 being conscious in cultivating a romantic relationship with your partner so that wraps up today's episode thank you so much for tuning in um let me know if you've had a different experience of being in long-term relationships if you disagree with the order of what i said about how it should be lovers first and friendship second because you can cultivate friendships in other areas of your life whereas the romantic part you only get it from your partner in monogamous relationships let me know if i'm wrong or if you've had different experiences if you enjoyed the episode and listened to the very end uh please hit the subscribe button or the follow button and I'll catch you on the next one.